couple of announcements for you this morning. Uh, one again is a reminder of the uh, uh, First Baptist Church up on Scenic Drive, uh, the Sound Doctrine Conference. There's a flyer on the table out in the or on the counter out there in the foyer, and uh, pick you up, pick it up. It'll give you all the details for that. Uh, next Sunday after church, we're going to have uh, a fellowship memorial time for Phil Scriber. And uh, we will once again have a Phil Scriber cake uh, with, you know, what, let's see, what is it? It's white cake with custard filling and whipped cream frosting. So, uh, and uh, we'll just uh, have a time to share if you would like. And uh, we'll actually kind of open it up and say Phil and Arlene together because as I've said before, I've known very few couples that were the two were as one as they were, and they are. So uh, just uh, doing that after church next Sunday. Uh, there's a children's Easter egg, egg, <clears throat> Easter egg hunt right after the service today. And so if uh, you uh, would like to stay with your kids and and, and it's going to be out in the back, I think, uh, and let them hunt for the Easter eggs. And or if you want to watch, there's nobody in here to tell me an old person can't play. You know, my my, my mom said I'd never grow up. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so that's after the service today. Uh, any other announcements that I need to make? Okay. Um, in our prayer needs, uh, just a continued prayer uh, for the Scriber family and the extended family and the boys, Walter and, and Dan, and uh, their sister, uh, Alice. And then uh, also uh, praying for Jackie. Uh, she's having some difficulties getting her oxygen figured out. And uh, so she asked if we would pray for that, and I told her we would. Uh, so... Uh, those are the two prayer needs I have. Are there any others that we need to mention this morning? Okay, we also have people traveling uh, for the Easter vacation and, and, and some for longer than the Easter vacation. Some people are going clear to the Azores. I'm not sure, you know, but uh, anyway, uh, let's have a word of prayer together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and to bring our needs before you. We bring them confidently because you told us we could. And so we come for your mercy and your grace for these particular needs. We think of Jackie and this battle she continues to have with getting her medicines and oxygen and everything just, just right so that she can be comfortable. And we just ask that you would come alongside her with all her needs and, and give her the ability to do some of the things that maybe she needs to do as well. And just uh, ask that you would give wisdom to the doctors and to the therapists that are involved as to how to best minister to her physical needs. And uh, just thank you, Lord, that she trusts in you. And uh, just give us the reminder, Lord, to be praying for her. And, Lord, uh, we just uh, think of the people that are traveling uh, Ted going, uh, uh, flying over to uh, Portugal and, and the Azores and with his sister and stuff and visiting uh, extended family people there and just uh, be with them and cause them to have a safe trip 
both there and back, but also just a wonderful time while they're there. And Lord, for all the others that are traveling, uh, we ask that you would be with them, cover them, bring them home safe. And then, Lord, as we come to your word, we ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts in Jesus' name. The uh, passage that we are going to be sharing today uh, for uh, Easter Sunday is maybe one that would be unique for you. Uh, It's out of the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 25. I'll give you the verses in a minute. Um, Isaiah is, is... an amazing book in the sense of prophecy uh, when it comes to the things about Jesus. Uh, chapter 7 speaks of Jesus being born, you know, that the, the, would be born of a virgin. The Savior, the Christ, would be born of a virgin. Chapter 9, it says, Unto you a child is born, unto you a, chi- a, a child is given. And it talks about all the things in reference to Christ, and, and we use that at Christmas a lot. And, and then in uh, various other chapters, chapter 53 goes completely through the suffering of Christ. And, and it's just an amazing book. Well, in chapter 25, there's a, uh, some verses that have to do with what is going to occur for all of us because of Easter. And... Uh, uh, what we have is it's, it, it's basically uh, one, I, one commentator labeled it God's victory celebration. Okay? And it starts with verse 6 and goes through verse 9. And it, what it's doing is it's giving us glimpses of the future like Revelation does in the sense of, of the, the time that, of the rapture when the rapture occurs and we are gathered together for the marriage supper with Christ. So, uh, verse 6 of chapter 25, book of Isaiah. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And He will swallow up on this mountain the covering or the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of His people He will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited, and I've got to stop here and make sure you understand this word, waited confidently. Okay, And, and some of your versions may say trusted. In other words, with a firm trust, an absolute guarantee. We know this is going to happen. So let me read this again. Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord we have waited for Him. He uh, let us be glad and rejoice 
in His salvation. And you notice how that last sentence, this rejoice in His salvation, is a confidence. We're going to do this. All who believe in Christ the Lord are going to rejoice in the salvation that He's given. And we're going to do it together at the, the marriage feast, uh, or the marriage supper, and eternally uh, we will be having opportunities. So I've heard uh, some people say, you know, uh, oh, you know, heaven, gosh, it sounds like all they're going to do is, is bow down and sing. Uh, Randy Alcorn has some neat books on heaven. Randy Alcorn. I think if you're an Amazon person, you can get them through Amazon. You can get them through Christian book distributors. There's, you know, and uh, they're excellent books on giving you a glimpse of heaven. And they're, they're well-based as far as Scripture goes. So I encourage you to, to read them because there's so much more to heaven than what most people think. We're not going to, definitely, we're not going to be strumming little uh, lyres and, and, and sitting on clouds with wings. Uh, that's, that's the angels. That's not us. So, uh, just, uh, this idea of this victory celebration starts with the, this, this being on this mountain. And the mountain is Mount Zion, Jerusalem, that it's speaking of in a future context, but like the new Jerusalem, the new city, it's Mount Zion, Jerusalem. Chapter 24, the last verse, uh, just uh, is verse 23. It says, The moon will be confounded and the sun ashamed for the Lord of hosts reigns. And it's going to be talking about judgment. But it says, On Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. And so we know when Isaiah is using this phrase, this is what he's talking about. Mount Zion and Jerusalem. And... Uh, in this, on this mountain, it says the Lord of hosts is going to make a feast for us. And the feast, it says, of rich foods and, and very refined aged wine. Now, people get really upset about sometimes hearing about the idea of wine. All I can say is if, if wine has an inherent demonic context to it, then Jesus would not have changed the water into wine. Some people say he changed it into new wine, grapefruit. New wine does not have the flavor the master of ceremony said that was there. In fact, the wine that the master of ceremonies in John chapter 2 was talking about at the wedding feast at Cana was a wine that was like this one mentioned here. You, you, you couldn't buy it. It was, it was amazing. That, that's why this, the master of the ceremonies is saying, why did you say, you know, you, you've done something unusual. You've saved this to the end of the, the, the time of everybody getting together. It's the best wine. The, and, and so this idea of wine and, and, and foods, and, and they mention foods in a way that maybe you're not you know, thinking about bone marrow being a great food or, or this type of thing. But what it is is the richness that comes out of it when they're cooked and boiled down and used as, as, as uh, soups and broths and this type of thing. And it was considered the, the, the best of what you could get. And so the picture here is not necessarily that we're going to be eating all the time. The picture is the best. I want you to grab that. 
Jesus is trying to make sure that it, through Isaiah that we see that what he's got planned for us is the best we have ever had, the best we have ever seen, the best we have ever known, above and beyond what we can comprehend. And so that's the, 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 the sense of what is being said here. And this is a celebration meal. And I believe that it, that is that it is the marriage feast mentioned in Revolution, Revolution, <laughs> Revelation chapter 19. And so uh, this picture of, of, of the, the gathering of the church, feasting together, celebrating the resurrection and, and our entrance into the completed kingdom of God, eternal life, the whole thing is, is in that picture. We celebrate today with communion this same feast. We, every time we take communion, we're anticipating the marriage supper of Revelation chapter 19. It's also a time of remembrance. It's also a time of examining ourselves, uh, reflecting on whether, uh, you know, what we have to confess before the Lord. It says to come with a a conscience that is confessed and is clear uh, as you partake of communion. And so we as believers, people who have confessed Jesus Christ as our, our Savior, believe in our hearts that God has raised Him from the dead, we, we come to communion and we, we, we accept that and, and, and the awesomeness of this. It's a forerunner to what this great feast is going to be. And think about what's represented in the cup and the bread. God. Can you get better than that? He gave His best. Look at that in a minute, a little bit longer. So we, there, there's, he's talking about this marriage supper, and, and it's a reflection of that. It's a, it's a picture of the future, if you will. In fact, there's uh, uh, maybe four different pictures in this, this passage. The one that, that I'm most... Uh, drawn to is the one in verse 7. He will swallow up. It's an interesting phrase. Swallow up. On this mountain, the covering or the shroud, it's basically the same word, the covering or the shroud that is cast over all peoples. What is a shroud when you think about it in reference to to the, the Scriptures? It's a covering over what? Someone who has died. It represents death. Okay? And so, what he is talking about here is, is the shroud or also the, the veil. Um, he's going to... Uh, these symbols of, of, of death uh, are going to be swallowed up by Christ. I found that an interesting concept. But you think about it. What did He do on the cross? It says He took on our sins. He became, Paul says, He became sin for us. He bore our sins. And, and so, this picture of swallowed up is, is the idea that He has tasted death for us. In fact, Hebrews talks about that. The book of Hebrews. He's tasted death for us. 
And as a result, we will never, if we are, are believers in Jesus Christ, we will never know the penalty of our sins in the sense of eternity go. Because Christ took it on the cross. He swallowed up death forever, it says. He swallowed up death forever. This is what happened on the cross. When the words were expressed, it is finished. It is done. This is where it happened. And so we're looking backwards right now to Friday. Good Friday. And He swallowed it up for us. It also says here, the, 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 the third picture, if you will, the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. By the way, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, it says that also in 7.17 of Revelation, it says that. And we have that picture of Jesus will wipe away all our tears. And when we, when we hear it in Revelation, He's going to wipe away all our tears. What does, is, does John add to that? What does the Holy Spirit through John add to that? We will have what? No more grief, sorrow, or mourning. No more sadness. This other, this picture of the veil uh, that's that's over all of the nations also has to do with the picture of when people were in mourning and showing respect, they wore a veil. Okay, and so that is removed again. This idea of death being swallowed up. I'm sure that, that Isaiah saw that in that as well. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe away every tear from all faces, eliminating, like I said, grief and sorrow and one more word, fear. Fear will be gone. And I'm going to drop down just for a second to the, to the last part of this. It says, Behold, this is our God. We have waited confidently or trusted in Him. And I started to think about as we're going through this, what things do we trust in without even thinking about it? Help me. Our brakes on our car. Okay. That's pretty much the truth, isn't it? You know? They start to squeak. Hopefully, you think about doing something, uh, you know, and and uh, you know, getting them taken care of, because we we just make a, it's kind of like the same thing. Stepping on the gas pedal, you expect it to go, you expect it to stop. You don't sit there and say, you know, oh gosh. Well, there are times in my life where I've had cars where I do did do that, I guess. But uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's one of those things that you can get pretty comfortable. Some, anything else? Gravity, take it for granted. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't think I, I, I know, I don't think about gravity on any regular basis. Other than when I drop something, I don't think, think, oh, rats, gravity, because I'm going to have to bend over and pick it up, and I don't do that well anymore. But the idea is, is that you know, gravity is something we can take for granted. Okay, anything else? The air we breathe, every breath we take. Okay. And amazing, by the way, God, it says God has, 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 knows every breath that we need. 
He is responsible for every breath we take in providing it. So, you know, how about simpler things? Huh? The birds? Like the singing and stuff? Yes. Animals around us and stuff like that. We enjoy it. We don't think a lot of times that... I think there are moments where we'll sit down and say, oh, you know, how awesome God's creation is. But most of the time we take it for granted, especially the birds that are sitting on the wires over your car. Um, you may not even be thankful for them. I don't. Um, how about, you know, the light switch? I don't know how many of you pray before you turned on. Lord, I pray the light goes on, you know. We just walk in and flick it on. In fact, when it doesn't go on, we're kind of like, oh, what happened? You know? uh, you're, and you're hoping it's as simple as the light bulb. Um, you know, so many things that we just trust in without thinking. Well, here, this picture is, you know, they have placed, that's what they're saying, is we have placed, we're here, we're gathered together on this mountain, and it's because we have placed our trust in Christ, in His salvation. And we need to, to think about that too. How often do we, do we daily find time to do that? Or, you know, uh, I think of a, a gentleman that I, I traveled uh, with multiple times to Mexico. They put us in the same room because we both needed CPAPs. And so we could bother each other and nobody else. Uh, and uh, the, uh, he woke up every morning... And just said, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your grace and your love. Every morning, it was the first words out of his mouth. And I thought, wow. That's the way it should be, isn't it? I meditate on his word, how often? Day and night. Uh, You know, the idea of Psalm 1. You know, so we need to keep this in mind is what I'm trying to say. The, the idea is, is that this should be a part of who we are. We're, we trust in the Lord and we trust in Him in such a way that we know that we know that we know that His salvation is real and that we can rest with that in absolute confidence. So He's going to swallow up death forever. He's going to wipe away all of our grief and sorrow and, and, and all of our tears. And He's, he, you know, the, the idea is, is, is this idea of, of, of trusting in Him let me back up now and go back to, to the, the verse where you know, the Lord will wipe away all the tears. It says the reproach, uh, reproach is going to be taken away. Reproach is condemnation. Again, Romans 8.1. What does it say? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's been removed. Death has been removed. Condemnation has been removed. We're outside of the judgment. Because Jesus took it on Himself. He swallowed it. The idea of swallowing it is so that it can't never can't be seen anymore. And think of a couple of the other ways that Jesus described it. Sin is cast as, uh, or the scripture, uh, sin is cast as far as the east is to the west. By the way, that what they're thinking of is a geometric. Line, and I don't know how many of you remember your geometry or maybe you haven't got there yet, but, uh, you know, the, the idea of a, a line with an arrow on each end of it, you know, is, it means it goes on infinitely. It will never come around and meet. 
That's literally what that is saying. Our sins are never going to meet us. Okay? And then he says, you know, cast them into the deepest part of the sea. Well, they haven't been to the deepest part of the sea yet. They, you know, they keep finding more and more times they're saying, oh, well, here's one more canyon that's deeper than anything we've been in before. No, we can't get to it yet. We're going to have to design new technology to try to get down there. And, uh, you know, so this idea of, of is, you know, unretrievable, basically. I had a, a teacher in Bible college that says, and he puts up a no fishing sign. You know, we're not to go take them back. We're to let them be gone. When we ask Christ to forgive us, we don't need to rest in guilt any longer. There is no condemnation. It's been removed. So reproach is gone. And then it says, This the Lord has spoken. That's a statement that says, This has been said. It is spoken, past tense. It's done deal. When Jesus said, It is finished on the cross, our debt of sin, what's the wages of sin is death, okay, Our debt of sin was paid in full with no balance, in other words. Paid in full. That word finished actually is a literal paid in full. It's done. There is nothing we can bring to the throne of Christ that will improve our position of salvation. Nothing, you know, no tithe, no gift, no church attendance record. Uh, I can remember uh, my, cousin, my cousin going to church and, 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 and he had a, a, a pin. And it was five, uh, his five-year pin. He was, he, was, he was just going into high school at the time. And he had not missed a Sunday in five years of church. And what he'd do is when they were out of town on Thanksgiving, they went to church. And he'd get the teacher to sign some little thing. And, and because it was a denominational thing, they all had them. You know, that he, yep, Donnie was here. You know, and uh, so, uh, you know, those aren't the things that get us in. What gets us in is believing in our heart, confessing with our mouth who Christ is and that he's been raised from the dead. Literally raised from the dead. The Lord has spoken. We have a guarantee. He has swallowed death. And as I was reading this, it reminded me of a scripture that I use quite frequently, but uh, I'm just going to tack it in here right now. In chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, Paul speaking about our bodies. And... The older you get, the more you realize how frail it can be and how tired it can get. And it says, so he he equates our our bodies. Well, let me read it to you. Chapter 5, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home or our body is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal, In the heavens. For in this tent we groan. 
longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, longing to be in our, our permanent home. If, and it says and also, verse 4, you know, for while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what, listen carefully, so what is, uh, is mortal, these tents are mortal, may be swallowed up by life or immortality. In other words, life, we, we, we always think of, of, of life here and now. This is our life, you know. We, and we, we, we want all these things to make it comfortable and to do and to go and to see and all these things. But he says, this is, this is the mortal world. It's nothing compared to what it's going to swallow it up. Life is going to swallow it up. I just think these are great pictures that we have that God has given us to rest in what Christ has done in His resurrection. Again, uh, we have this, this picture of, of confidently waiting, uh, trusting in our salvation, being sure that it is, is ours. This is a, a glimpse of the believer's future. And in summing it up, you might say, on Friday at the cross, it is finished. What, what was going on on Friday with the, the followers of Jesus? And as somebody wrote it down, and it was, I thought it was interesting. The way, the truth, and the life was dead. The light of the world was put out. The living water was dried up. The door was closed. That's the way they were perceiving it. Everything that Jesus had promised, everything that they were looking forward to, they were thinking was gone. In fact, they were hiding in, a, in, a, in, in, in fear that they were going to be next. And then Sunday. I think of that sermon by, uh, oh, I can't think of his name now, uh, Campolo. And, uh, you know, it was Friday, but Sunday's coming. And it just went on all these things that happened that were going on on Friday and the negative and the sad. And, but Sunday's coming. He's alive. He has risen from the dead. These are the words that these people heard that morning. He's alive. He has risen from the dead. And I put in here, He has swallowed up death for all believers forever. This is what we have. We are now waiting with that word the same as it was is here in the Scripture. We are waiting with confidence. We are in a trust relationship. We believe uh, that He has promised and that we are saved. We have eternal life. We're looking forward to the marriage supper. That's pictured in Isaiah and described in Revelation chapter 19. And I kind of put a little chart here for myself. I said, Jesus Christ, the very best. God in the flesh, sinless man, gave Himself the very best to save us sinners. 
the wages of sin being death. He said, it is finished, paid in full. And He did it in order to give us the very best for eternity. We uh, finished up you know, First Peter here a few Sundays ago, but I wanted to share uh, some verses out of it, if you would please. First Peter chapter uh, one verse three: Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Look at verse 8. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you have not see him, uh, now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's the body of Christ. By the way, all of this is tuned to the idea that we are the bride of Christ. And... It's, it's what we have for eternity here. This is the picture that Isaiah is painting for us. And we can pick up in Revelation. We can see it again as a, as a promise through the Holy Spirit as, as, uh, through John and, and writing. And, and we see it. We have been given eternal life. God has called us, pulled us out of the, the world, so to speak, and into His kingdom. We are part of His kingdom now. But it's not complete. It won't be until His second coming. And we celebrate the marriage supper. Now it's interesting as we come to communion, Jesus said He would not share communion again until that event. So as we go to communion, I ask that you... Prepare your hearts. Thank the Lord for your salvation. Confess sins. And just be absolutely sure you know that you know that you know that you're saved. If that's something you don't have confidence in, talk to one of the elders. Talk to me. Let's have a time to get together and go through it to make sure that you can rest with that same confidence that in your waiting it's a confident waiting on the Lord. Ask that uh, the singers come up, the piano player too, <laughs> and uh, that we prepare our hearts in song uh, for communion. Great the chasm that lay between.
the shadows of my soul. Your work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. What a perfect song to end the message with. Open up for communion. I just, uh, a couple of phrases in that song. Uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Bill Whitman, but this is one of his songs. And uh, he says, death has lost its grip on me. It's because it's been swallowed up. And then he calls Jesus Christ my living hope. He declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Every chain has been broken. There's nothing holding us to sin. Jesus Christ has swallowed it. It's gone forever. I just... uh, I think it's just an amazing truth that we have that we can rest in that confidence. As we share in communion this morning, again, we have two uh, trays. If you uh, want to 
have the cup. Uh, the juice is in the top cup. The bread is in the bottom cup. Just separate them and, and uh, we'll share communion together in a moment. But we also have the packets if you prefer that as well. And so while we're singing the song for communion, uh, if you would come up. That we did, we did sing that song, didn't we? I forgot to have you come up. Well, we didn't come up. <laughs> and we'll just have her play the song in the background. <laughs> In the Gospel of Mark, it's recorded, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, He broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is My body. And we're to do this in remembrance of Him. And He took a cup, and when He had given thanks, He gave it to them and, he, and, and <clears throat> to them, they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for the many. After they shared these emblems, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God, which is the picture of the marriage supper that we've been talking about today. Uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to share in communion a reminder of all that You have done for us. It's so amazing to think the God of all creation emptied Himself, became a man, a servant to men, even to the point of the cross. The very best given for us so that we may receive the very best from You. Sinners undeserving, but given grace nonetheless. We thank You. We worship You. We praise You. We ask that You would go with us this day. That we would have opportunity yet through the day to reflect on 
What an awesome God we have. Again, we thank You, we worship You, we praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand as we close? I want to thank you for being here this morning. Have a wonderful rest of the day. And uh, what a wonderful day it is. Once more, He is risen. Amen. Don't forget, we have the Easter egg hunt going on for the kids out there if you have time to stay for that for a little while. And again, Lord bless. Have a wonderful day.